All right. Jesus is coming again. When was the first time you heard that, Reckon? First time you heard somebody say, Jesus is coming again. Do you remember? I think for me, when I was maybe about three years old, four years old maybe, I remember my mother going out one day and the sky had kind of an unusual appearance to it and my mother got all nervous and she said, I just think Jesus may be coming back. And I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. And I thought, well, where has he been? You know, and I didn't know she was even talking about our Jesus. And then she explained to me that Jesus is coming again. I've heard it all my life, haven't you? I've heard it for 70 years or longer. And, uh, and so a lot of people say, well, when's he coming? So I want to I talk to you about the second coming of Jesus today, and I want to answer five questions. And each question is just one word. The first word is, really? The second word is, when? The third word is, how? The fourth word is, why? And then the fifth word is, So? So can you remember all those questions? They're pretty simple, aren't they? Pretty, pretty simple questions to remember. So the first question is, really? Is he really coming again? Well, I just want you to know that if he doesn't come again, then Jesus just didn't tell us the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Behold, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And uh, many, many times in the New Testament, Jesus talked about his coming to establish his kingdom. He is coming, he is coming, he is coming. He told many parables about, uh, about uh, uh, a servant who was waiting for his master and wasn't sure when he was coming. And then the master arrives at a time when the servant wasn't prepared and things like that. And he just told parable after parable after parable and declaration after declaration saying, I'm coming again. And then the Apostle Paul, as he began to write his letters to the churches, he just emphasized over and over and over again that this Jesus is coming again. And Luke, when he wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts, he says in Acts chapter 1, I believe it's chapter 1, maybe verse 6, uh, I think that's pretty close to where he is. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Jesus had taken all the disciples out onto the Mount of Olives, and there he gave them some instructions. And, uh, well, going to verse 7, they, the, they asked him, you know, when are you coming? Uh, when will you establish the kingdom? He said, it's not for you to know. Uh, going down a little further, uh, verse 8, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking at Jesus, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. That must have been an amazing experience for these disciples. They're talking to Jesus, listening to Jesus, and all of a sudden, while they're looking at him, he just begins to rise up into the sky, and then he disappears into a cloud. And then verse 10 says, And while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, so obviously two angels, and they said, Men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then, of course, the writings of Paul and Peter and John, they just emphasize over and over and over again, Jesus is coming back. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned way back in the Garden of Eden, God made them a promise that the Messiah would come. And for 3,000 years, or 4,000 years, they waited and waited. And then God re, uh, affirmed that promise to Abraham and said, One of your descendants will be that Messiah. And, and Abraham waited, and Abraham waited, and he died. And, and then God said to Isaac, uh, and then to Jacob, and then to Judah, that in your seed the Messiah will come. And then he said to David, David, one of your descendants will someday sit on the throne and rule this world. The Messiah is coming. And David waited and everybody waited and everybody died. And I'm sure there were people who said, we don't believe the Messiah is coming. But then one day, an angel appeared to a young girl in Nazareth and said, you're going to have a baby. And it's not going to be any human baby, any, any man's baby. It's going to be the Son of God. And he will be that Messiah. He will save his people from their sins. And nine months later, Mary gave birth to a baby boy. And there were some angels, some shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And angels appeared to them and began to shout and sing and say, Glory to God. The Messiah has come. And that come thou long expected Jesus. That they had long expected, waited for, prayed for, hoped for. And some surely doubted came. Just as he promised. And, but it was a long, long time between the promise and the fulfillment. And then Jesus says to his disciples, I will come again. And the angel said to the disciples, why are you standing here gazing up into the sky? Go get busy because this same Jesus is coming again. And I think that they may have expected him to come in their lifetime. I would have assumed that Luke and Paul and John and all of the disciples probably thought, well, Jesus said he's coming back, so we, we expect him in our lifetime. But one by one, the disciples began to die, and that generation began to die. And they began to realize well, he hadn't come when we thought he was going to. So, so what do they say? In fact, there were some. Look at Second Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, 
all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of the creation. So there were some people, even in their time, who said, is he really coming again? Is he really coming? And Peter goes on to say, well, they just are willfully ignorant of the fact that in that day, I mean, things have changed from that day. Things haven't stayed the same because there was a flood that came and cleansed the earth. But he said, Jesus is coming again. And I just want you to know that he is coming again. And I say that not on my authority, but on the authority of the Word of God. There are well over a hundred direct references in Paul's letters to the second coming of Jesus. And then the last book of the New Testament, the last book of the Bible, focuses heavily on the fact that Jesus is coming again. So the answer to the question, really, is absolutely, absolutely, Jesus is coming again. Now, when is he coming? This is going to be a real easy question to answer. I don't know. And you don't know. And no radio preacher knows. And no writer of books knows because Jesus himself said, no man knows the day or the hour that Jesus is coming again. So when somebody tells you, I know for sure Jesus is coming back in September of 2020, you can be pretty sure that he's not coming in September of 2020 because no man knows. Now, he could come in September of 2020, but it wouldn't be because this man knew that he was coming then. I remember back in uh, 1988, there was a book that was published called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Take Place in 1988. And I got that book, and I read it, 88 Reasons Why This Man Knew For Sure That Jesus Was Coming Back in 1988. And I, some of them were pretty interesting ideas. And by the way, if you want that book now, I think it's out of print. And uh, if you do buy one, you can get it for a nickel probably. Because he didn't come back in 1988. So I don't know when he's coming. You know what I, I like to do? I don't do this every day. But many days I wake up and I say, this could be the day that Jesus comes back for his church. I don't do it every day, but I do it many days. Wake up and think, this could be the day. What a wonderful day it would be for Jesus to come. Now, again, uh, I've had many teenagers tell me, I'm not excited about Jesus coming back because I want to get married and I want to have children and I want to grow up and I want to get old like you and uh, things like that. And then when I'm ancient like you are, maybe I'll be excited about Jesus coming back. And I tell them, you know, when Jesus does come back, the thrill of seeing him, being with him, and having all the promises fulfilled in real time will so far exceed 
anything you could possibly dream of in this world that you will be thrilled. So is that hard to believe? Sometimes you girls, sometimes, yeah. Just being honest, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'm just telling you, when he does come back, nobody who's a Christian is going to be disappointed. Nobody's going to say, is they're being caught up to meet the Lord in the air? But wait, wait, I don't want to go. No, you'll be thrilled to be there and to be with him. So that's the answer to the second question. When? I don't know. Really? Yes. When? I don't know. And then uh, how? How is it going to happen? Well, there's a lot of discussion. Been Christians have differed over this all along. And I'll tell you what I believe. And I know fine, fine Christians who disagree with my uh, idea of the order of it. But I believe that the world is going to reach such a place, so much, such a fever pitch, that uh, Jesus is going to come and rapture his church. You heard the term rapture? When I went to pastor a church back in Tennessee, I preached one Sunday on the rapture of the church, and I had people who looked at me like a calf looking at a new gate, and they said, what is this rupture thing you're talking about? And I said, no, it's not rupture, it's rapture. And they said, well, I looked for that in my Bible after you preached on it last week, and I couldn't find the word rapture. And I said, well, that's true. It's not in the Bible. The word is not in the Bible. But the teaching concerning it is in the Bible. And the word catch away, to catch up, to, to, to grab and snatch away is the, it's translated by the Latin word rapier. And so when they brought that into English, they just made the word rapture out of it. The Bible clearly teaches, in my opinion, that the world is going to get worse and worse in these last days. And that the day will come when Christ himself will come and catch away his church. Every true believer. And if you've read any of the Left Behind series, they, they pretty well describe it, define how that could, could happen. But... That will not be the second coming of Jesus. That will be the rapture of the church. And then for the next seven years on this planet, there are some remarkable, amazing, and horrible things that are going to happen during that seven years. That seven-year period of time is referred to as the great tribulation or the tribulation and the last three and a half years of it specifically is referred to as the Great Tribulation. And during that period of time, the, there will be uh, unimaginable destruction and death and suffering on this planet. But during that period of time, there will also be many of the Jewish people will come to faith in Christ, accept him as their Messiah, and they will become like 144,000 Apostle Pauls who go out preaching to every nation in the world. And many people 
will believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Savior during that period of time, but it will be very, very difficult. During that period of time, there will also rise to power a world leader who is opposed to God, opposed to Christ, opposed to believers, and he will persecute and try to utterly destroy every believer in Jesus on earth. He will force all people, young and old of every age, to receive a, a mark of identification on their hand or on their forehead. And without that mark, they will not be able to buy or sell or have a job or anything. And it will be a horrible time. And, and, and just at the time when it looks like the forces of this Antichrist are gathering to utterly destroy the remnant of believers on earth, then Jesus will come again. He will come back to this earth, and in doing so, he will destroy evil, he will set up his kingdom, and he will indeed rule for a thousand years on this earth and set up his millennial kingdom. So I know that's a whole lot to think about, isn't it? And uh, we could sit down and talk about it for hours. And books have been written, whole great big books. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week, looking at the passage in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that specifically deals with that. But that's how he's coming back. He's coming back secretly and privately for his church. And then seven years later, coming back uh, publicly to establish his kingdom. So... What can we expect? How, how could we expect uh, the world to look as we prepare for the second coming of Jesus? In Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14, the disciples asked Jesus, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Many will fall away. And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased. Do you think lawlessness is increased today? Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endure, endures to the end will be saved. And then he says in... 1 Timothy, we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, 
slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That sounds like you're reading today's newspaper. It does, doesn't it? So he says, when the world gets into this condition, he said, in the last days, in the last days, this will be the description of those last days. So, Jesus is coming. Really? Yes, absolutely. When? I don't know. How? In two phases, to catch his church and then to come back publicly. And then why is he coming? Why is he coming back? Well, for many reasons. One, he's coming back to get his church. He's coming back to judge evil and destroy evil. But then he is coming to set up his kingdom. God intended when from creation. God intended for man to rule on this earth under the headship and rulership of Christ. And that has not happened in the history of mankind, but it will happen. The prophet Daniel had a vision, or Nebuchadnezzar had a vision. He saw this giant statue, and he saw this statue. It had a head of pure gold, and then it had arms and, and chest of silver, and it had a, 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 a waist of iron, uh, and two two legs, I mean, of uh, a bronze, and then two legs of iron, and then feet made up of particles of iron and particles of clay. And Nebuchadnezzar said, "This is weird. I don't understand what this dream means." And Daniel said, "God has given me the interpretation." He said, "This is the history of the world. This is the story. You, O King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, you are the head of gold." But after you, there will come a, a, another kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, that will be of silver. And then there will come the bronze kingdom, which is the, the kingdom of Greece. And then there's the Roman kingdom, represented by the two legs of iron. But he said, and then there will be, in the last days, represented by the feet, mixed with iron and clay, another kingdom. And this kingdom will have strength, but it will not have the coherence of the Roman kingdom. And then as Nebuchadnezzar was looking in his dream, he said, I saw a, a stone, a rock, cut out of the side of a mountain, but it wasn't cut out with any hands. There wasn't a chisel or a hammer. It just broke loose, and it flew down, and it hit that statue on its feet. And when it hit the feet, the whole statue just crumbled into powder, and the wind blew it all away. And all that was left was that rock. And then as I watched, he said, that rock began to grow. And he got bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, it became a great mountain. And it finally filled the whole earth. And he gave the description and the interpretation of that 
that there would be human history in which men of different uh, nations would rule as tyrants. But in the last kingdom, this kingdom of the Antichrist, a stone would come. And that stone is Jesus himself. He is called the rock of our salvation. And that stone would crush the kingdoms of this world. And his kingdom would grow, cover the whole earth. There's a passage in the book of Revelation that says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. George Handel, who wrote the uh, Messiah that I love to listen to every Christmas, concluded that with this verse and this and he made it into a song and we call it the hallelujah chorus would you like to listen to that and by the way you have to stand when you hear the hallelujah chorus because when it was first sung for the queen of england she stood and when she stood everybody stood and for from that day to this when the hallelujah chorus is sung or played, everybody stands. And I want you to, this is called the largest virtual choir ever put together singing the hallelujah chorus. So let's stand and listen to the hallelujah chorus. And you can shout if you want to.
Hallelujah. Amen. All right, you can be seated. I'm not through with my sermon yet. I said there are five questions. The first one was really. Yes, absolutely yes. The second one, when? I don't know, but be ready. The third one, how? And I gave you an order. And then why? Part of it is to establish that kingdom that will last forever and ever. The last question is, so? What difference does it make? What difference does it make to you that Jesus is coming again? 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, talking about the second coming of Jesus and the hope that we have of his return. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. One great motivation for a godly, holy, clean, pure life is knowing that Jesus could come at any time. Many of the parables that Jesus told were about people who weren't ready when he came, and it was embarrassing. Miss Lois Wrench, staying at our home right now, she told me this morning, she said, uh, there's a story in China about this Chinese lady who had 12 children, which was very, very unusual, of course, in China. And uh, her house was just usually in a wreck, as you could well imagine with 12 children. Of course, y'all probably never gets messed up with just three, but uh, if you had 12, probably be a mess. And, uh, and this missionary had told this lady, I'm going to come and visit you. And so she, the woman said to her kids, oh, the missionary is coming to see us. We want everything to be clean and ready. And so she's just spotlessly cleaned the house and prepared some special cookies and, and, uh, and got all the kids' clothes clean, and they were all waiting. The missionary didn't come. The next day, she didn't come. The fifth day, she still hadn't come. So by this time, most of the cookies had been eaten. And the house was beginning to fall back into kind of a routine, and the kids were getting dirty again. And on the 10th day, the missionary showed up, and the lady was so embarrassed. She said, oh, if I had known you were coming today, I would have had everything ready. Well, that's kind of a funny story in a way. But I tell you what, when Jesus does come back, I want my life to be clean. I want to be found faithful, busy, active, devoted to him. I would not want him to come back and find my life in a mess. I want to be pure for him. So to me, the soul is this. If Jesus is coming, and we don't know when, and it could be today, I want my life to be clean in its behavior. Now, I know we're, we're made clean by the blood of Jesus. I'm not talking about for salvation. I'm talking about for service and for sanctification. I want my life to be clean when he comes. 
and I want your life to be clean when he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that Jesus is coming again. I don't know when. If I knew when, it would probably not even be good for me. If I knew that he was coming in 2028, I might just get lax and not be too concerned about 2020. But knowing that he could come today, that he could come tomorrow, is a great motivation to me to want my life to be ready and prepared and clean when he does come. And I pray that you'll help us as we anticipate the return of our Savior, that our life will be trusting, trusting, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.